Today on the podcast, we have Chris Mahoney, the Vice President of Marketing, and Mark Stanzak, Assistant Marketing Manager of e-commerce from Enjoy Life. Enjoy Life is one of my favorite brands uh, and is also one of our clients. Their parent company is Mondelez International, and they make vegan, dairy-free, nut-free, allergen-free snacks that taste amazing. Um, We've been working with Enjoy Life for the past year or more on implementing their branding on on their Shopify Plus store, as well as handling their email marketing. And we're continuing to work with them to optimize their store for performance and conversions, as well as managing their email marketing campaigns. And they've just been a really great client to to partner with. Uh, So I thought it it would be really fun to have them on the podcast to talk about why the brand was started, their origin story, what problems they're solving, as well as some challenges that they may be facing and advice for other CPG brands in the, and who are direct to consumer, as well as have a more omni-channel approach because they do it all. Uh, so it's, it was a really interesting conversation. I hope you enjoy it. This episode is sponsored by Gorgeous. Gorgeous is the number one e-commerce help desk that lets you manage and respond to messages from your site, social, email, and SMS all in one platform. They have built-in automations to handle common queries like order tracking and save your team time and money. Get a free month by clicking the link in the description and elevate your customer experience today. You're listening to the Agency X Podcast. I'm your host, John Sertakowski, founder and CEO at Avex, a New York City-based e-commerce agency for high-growth D2C brands. As always, I'm joined by our e-commerce strategist, David Anzalone. Our goal is to provide some insight into e-commerce, technology, design, and everything in between. Let us know what you think of today's episode and make sure to visit our website, avexdesigns.com. Welcome to the Agency X Podcast. Today we are joined by uh, Chris and Mark from Enjoy Life, a brand that we've been working with for quite a while now. Uh, also a brand that I'm a huge fan of for some years. Me and my wife uh, always have Enjoy Life in the kitchen. So I'm super excited to have you both on the podcast. Welcome. Uh, start off with some introductions. Uh, Chris, if you'd like to go first. Yeah. Hey, John. Uh, thanks for uh, having us. I'm, I'm excited to share some time uh, with you. Uh, we've really enjoyed the partnership with um, with Avex for the last year. It's been uh, just an amazing partnership. You've really raised the bar on our brand. Um, I am the head of marketing for Enjoy Life. Uh, I've got a long history in CPG, um, and this brand is uh, it's it's a great brand, and it's an amazing uh, brand for people that have any kind of food allergy. So, uh, we have a very strong and uh, passionate community of uh, of brand fans. So, I'll let Mark introduce himself. <clears throat> Excellent. Hey, John. Uh, good to see you again. Thanks for having us. Uh, I've been looking forward to this. Um, so, yeah, I've been with Enjoy Life since late 2018, and I'm the assistant marketing manager for e-commerce. So a lot of my day-to-day is focused on our digital experiences, whether that's our, our website um, or uh, any of the digital advertising that funnels through our site, um, getting folks to experience some of the brand, um, even if they haven't been able to touch the packaging in store yet. Um, and uh, but yeah, so that's in a nutshell what I do. Excellent. No, it's great to have you both on. And like I said, I've been a, a, a huge fan of the brand for a long time. 
And I love the the rebrand that you did, and I'd love to talk a little bit about that. Before we get into some of the specifics, uh, Chris, if you could tell us a little bit about Enjoy Life. You know, although it's a very popular brand, some of our customers, uh, some of our listeners might not be customers yet. They might not be familiar with it. If you could tell us a little bit about the brand's origin, what problem the brand is solving, you know, why it was started, just a little history there. Um, We'd sure. love to learn a little bit more. Yeah, the brand um, has been around for 20 years now, um, as of uh, September of 2000, uh, 2001. So it's funny, it's uh, sometimes I laugh and think it's like a 20 year, 20 year old startup with some of the uh, challenges that we still face um, after that many years in the market. Um, we started, the, the gentleman who started the company really um, came up with this idea of gluten-free foods and snacks. And he wanted to be more than gluten-free. He wanted to be free from a lot of other allergens. Um, so if you think about 20 years ago, uh, he's kind of at the forefront of this free from uh, space that we occupy now, as long as, as, as well as another, uh, a bunch of other brands. Um, but that's how it started. It was basically creating um, snacks that were gluten-free and free from things like nuts and dairy and eggs, et cetera. Mm. And we um, are a brand that is free from 14 allergens. So our purpose and then the reason we we exist is to give people who have any kind of food allergy um, options that taste amazing and make them feel part of the group that they can still have cookies and brownies and chips and chocolate, even though they have some type of uh, food allergy, they can still be part of the social crowd enjoying uh, common, common snacks like that. Uh, so that's really who we are and, and what we're all about. And for us, like our target consumer is a food allergy family. Someone in the household has a food allergy. Some could be life-threatening, some could be just sensitivity, but regardless, there are ingredients that they consciously avoid in their, uh, in their daily diet and in their shopping behavior. Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. And I would also add to that, especially having, you know, a young kid at home in school, Kids are not allowed to bring in a lot of different snacks into school. So even regardless, even if you if you don't have an allergy at home, like my, my wife is gluten free. She is a gluten sensitivity, so she can't eat gluten. So she loves those products and she's vegan. So it's very difficult to go to restaurants. But um, more so like having kids at home, like you can't bring in most snacks. Most snacks, they don't even allow you to bring into school, especially healthy snacks because they have nuts in them mm-hmm. or peanut butter or any kind of nut, uh, any kind of nut butter. Um, and we're just so confident. Well, once we buy Enjoy Life, we know that my kid can bring it into school and he's not going to get sent home and not be able to eat a snack. Yeah. So I think even not having it in the home, but also for schools, uh, I think that's a big problem where um, uh, allergy, completely allergy-free products uh, could shine. Um, what I was going to say is just to build on what you said about your your son and, and what he can bring into school. One of the things that we added to our in our rebrand efforts was a school safe message on the front of the package because that is a, a that's a consumer mm. truth that. You know, kids these days, families are like so they have this short list of snacks that are allowed in school activities um, and, you know, putting school safe on the 
front of the package, and we can confidently say that because we're made and all of our products are made in a dedicated nut-free and gluten-free facility, like we're safe for kids to bring to school and for and schools to serve. So for us, that was a big, um, that's part of the rebrand, not the only reason we did the rebrand, but definitely one of the um, outcomes of it is being very mm. overt about us being school safe as a product. That's that's a, a great point. And leading to the new brand, I'm glad you mentioned it. Um, so you did the rebrand and, you know, Avix helped with applying that to the website as well as to email marketing. Um, as far as the rebrand goes, you know, what was the main purpose about that? I know you said that part of it was to make sure that people knew it was allergy free as it was safe for schools. Um, but if you could tell us a little bit more about why uh, enjoy life uh, went through a rebrand. That would be great. Yeah, I um, I think there's a few things we were trying to do with the rebrand. One is to simplify the packaging. Our previous package had a lot of messages, and not necessarily all of them were highly relevant to our target consumer. You know, we just had a lot of copy on the front talking to features of the products, but at the end of the day. Our consumer, our target consumer is looking for a brand that offers them confidence and safety in serving allergen, uh, allergen-free products. So being overt with the free from 14 allergens call out, link to our logo, contemporizing the logo so it's much more family friendly and approachable. Um, as I mentioned, um, school safe and certified gluten-free and non-GMO project verified being very, you know, more clearly called out in the packaging on the front panel versus what it used to look like before. We had a lot of certifications like up in the banner, up in a banner area on our old packaging. And honestly, John, some of them weren't as relevant to our target consumer uh, as the ones I just mentioned are. Um, we also made a, a very, very concentrated effort to show appetite appeal. The product photography um, on this new packaging is, mm. uh, it really is phenomenal. I mean, the, the agency, the design agency that did this work for us, we're very proud of it um, because of the assets and then and the brand value that they brought, the value that they brought to the brand in this packaging. And, you know, Avex obviously did a phenomenal job taking the assets in that new brand design and, you know, totally updating our website and all of the email marketing is uh, integrated with all of those new design assets. And uh, we just are presenting a just much more friendly, approachable and simplified brand image to our target consumer. And we're, we're thrilled with it. Mm. Awesome. No, that's great. And I, I could definitely see from the website, from the packaging, seeing the actual product and having that, like you said, appetite appeal, super important, especially when people hear gluten-free, nut-free, yeah. you know, dairy-free products, you know, the immediately their mind goes to, well, it's not going to taste good. Mm -hmm. But when you see it and when you actually taste it, it's a world of a difference. And also you said you started 20 years ago. I think it's important to your point that a lot has changed and there's a lot more, you know, vegan brands that are on the market right now. And almost like everyone's just pushing, hey, we're vegan, we're dairy free or whatever. 
um, it's hard to rise above that noise. So I, I think that was an extremely smart shift to kind of go back to your roots and make sure that it's, look, we're, yeah, we're vegan, we're dairy-free, we're gluten-free, but more importantly, we're allergen-free mm-hmm. um, and you taste good. So yeah. like, I think that is a big differentiator uh, and an important shift. Um, so, uh, and, and I know that, that results may vary, but I would love to, uh, get your opinion on this mark of how updating the website, updating the email marketing, all of those initiatives, you know, what, what have been some of the positive results or any negative results as well? Uh, would love to learn a little bit more about how this brand reshift is, as well as any initiatives on the website or email, how has that impacted the business? Yeah, sure. Um, so one of the things that I I love about the rebranded assets, um, and I hope you're you have a good editor because there's going to be a lot of ums and ahs coming out of me. Um, <laughs> apologies for that. But okay. Yeah. Uh, obviously, when it comes to logos or styles or um, photography, a lot of that can be subjective. I love the new look. Um, I think not only does it combine a friendliness, which is you know, literally our logo has a smiling face in it, so it doesn't get much friendlier than that. But um, it also forced us to rethink visually how each product line, um, how we want to connect each product line to the consumers in a unique way. So um, how, how do we uh, visually show the excitement about um, cookies versus brownies versus, you know, any one of our, our product lines? And so um, while that final finished product on shelf may stand out more, and it certainly does, um, and it seems more updated, we also that also created so much for us to work with across all of our marketing materials, both from, um, say, those design cues that are unique to the cookies. There's a, like an illustration that's unique for cookies that we can then pull into um, a collection page on Shopify that... Um, that shows playfulness, but it also shows that connection back to the on-shelf product. Um, mm. And so, you know, this the current business environment being what it is, it's hard to separate out, you know, necessarily what's happening at any given time and say um, track things down to a brand change or some other another event that might be happening right now. But what I can say is that like we are very much focused on being able to speak to any of our consumers wherever they want to be reached. That's uh, D2C e-commerce or on Amazon or on shelf um, if they're just, they prefer to go browse. And so we can, now that we've really thought through visually, how does each of these products come to life and um, how does it connect to the brand? Um, Whether they're getting an email or they're getting um, uh, you know, a, an ad on a social media platform that brings them back to a landing page. Um, they're going to see that consistency, which is what the rebrand was all about. But um, I think that just having having had to think through visually all of these things allowed us to flow it through all of our marketing in a way that we wouldn't have been able done if to do if we didn't start from the beginning um, and just try to sort of slap additional exciting images on top of our old stuff, you know? Um, mm-hmm. So, so that was, that was really impactful. And I, I'll say that we, we got a lot of good feedback too, from our consumers. Um, and personally, I, I just have to say as an anecdote, like I, I, 
I like the word customer better than consumer. I don't know if I'm allowed to say that, but um, <laughs> our, like, you can say whatever you want. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, but yeah. So folks, our folks who were looking for our products um, noticed it, and um, it, it just led to a better experience all around. Um, so yeah. Great. No, I could, and you could see when you look at the packaging side by side, or you look at some of the the creative on the website or the the email marketing initiatives. Like when you look at old versus new, the branding it just feels it feels more fun. It feels more alive, uh, more modern, but it also still embodies that enjoy life um, brand that's been around for for you know I didn't know it was around for twenty years. That's you know sounds like a long time. Um, but it's it's it it still has that that uh, it's still recognizable, but it stands out a whole lot more. Uh, so that that's great, and especially having those assets for marketing materials, the illustrations, um, the different colors, how it's like matched to the product. Uh, I think that that definitely makes it a lot easier uh, to put out good creative, uh, when it comes to the marketing and definitely made our jobs easier on implementing it on the, e on the email and, and website side of things. Cause it's, it's just really good creative. Yeah. Um, Oh, one more thing. Sure. Yeah. So I didn't speak to the negatives of what this project might have, uh, <laughs> it's always some negatives. <laughs> yeah. And I'll say, um, in the end results, I don't think there are negatives, but, uh, given that we our brand does have such a history, and for instance, you know, I think you alluded to this, John. Um, people need to trust that we're still providing the same thing, and so mm. not changing too much is important, but changing in a meaningful way is important. Um, and so, since we and I, I wasn't involved in the beginnings of this project. But as you said, like I've, I've helped to bring it to life elsewhere with you guys and and, and in other places. But uh, it, you you can't like you can't do a half measure, which means that there's going to be a whole lot of chaos for many months mm -hmm. until it all shakes out and you find that very last asset that's hanging around somewhere, it, whether it's a downloadable PDF that you created, you know, seven years ago that's still alive on the web somewhere or like somebody searches of you know you can you can control your own website in other places but um somebody does a simple google search and you just miss this one thing somewhere out on the web and it's like oh my gosh uh so yeah it just it's kind of the gift that keeps on giving but um it's all good because you get to revisit everything literally everything and have to everything. update it yeah yeah and i'd say that that's something that probably everyone who's close to the project on the brand side or on the agency side, on our side, like we, we def definitely think about more and see it. Like I know I could spot a couple things here and there that I see around the internet, but the customers, I think it's the, it's, it's a big shift, but it's also still relatable where <laughs> they could still notice it, right? They could still see it's enjoy life regardless. It wasn't such a complete rebrand where you changed the, um, where you change the direction of the brand or the name or something like that. So I think that it's it's minimal what customers are seeing if they're seeing it at all um, of, of such a change. But the um, and I agree with you. Some negatives like when you're going through a rebrand, like when we first kicked off the project, I remember there was like 
there's some delays with photography or there might be, well, we're working with another third party with another agency. They have to create certain assets and being able to like work together to say, okay, well, look, we know that there's going to be bumps in the road during this project um, and engagement and that it's going to take some time to roll all of this out, you know, and I think that's where uh, both sides really work together. Well, it's understanding that that's going to happen and, you know, how do we react to those things? Um, And, you know, going through a rebrand, has to be tough. Yeah. <laughs> um, so there's a lot of growing DDC brands, especially in the CPG space, um, that are either just starting out or they're, you know, trying to get into retail or trying to, to market their products. Um, if Chris, if you could tell us a little bit about uh, some advice that you might give to a, a a CPG brand that's trying to break into a retail location or trying to get their mm-hmm. product into the big box stores, you know, uh, any advice that you could give them uh, to guide them in the right direction? Yeah, sure. Um, so ironically, I mean, now that you know that we're 20 years old, you know that we started our business in brick and mortar stores and then added D to C later. Um, but um, for brands that start in D to C, it's definitely uh, hugely challenging to um, get that first retail brick and mortar win. And I think like based on my experience um, as a marketing, as a marketing person in CPG, you know, I think there's a, there's a few, er the few lessons learned on this. One is, um, you know, know what your brand's purpose in life is. Uh, Why is it there? What, what consumer need is it fulfilling? Be able to to speak to that without having to read it on a slide, but be able to speak to your brand in a passionate way with the buyer. Um, And then uh, related to that, be able to um, bring to life who your core consumer is, because the buyer needs to realize that this brand that wants distribution, their core consumer is shopping in his or her store. Because if you talk about your brand and the buyer can't understand who's you, who your consumer is and how that relates to their shopper, like you're, you're going to fail. So those are two kind of key things that the brand representative, mm-hmm. the salesperson, whoever it is that's representing this brand to try to get distribution, you know, really understand who you are um, and, and, and how you can help the retailer understand who your competitive set is, right? Not only who your, competing with online, but in, if you're, you know, presenting to Whole Foods, for example, do your research, know the category. And, you know, if you, if you don't have the, the data available, find a way to get it. So, you know, work, work your network and get the data. So you understand what the category dynamics are. So you go in and you're like, Hey, this category that we are in is growing we recognize these competitors exist. Here's how we're different. Here's who our consumer is. Our consumer segment is growing. This is the need we're fulfilling. You, you have to pitch because as anyone who, um, you know, is trying to get into retail knows retail shelf space is a commodity that uh, the retailer decides who gets in and who doesn't get in. And if you don't meet the, you know, the velocity hurdles within a given amount of time, you're out and the next one's in. Um, So, you know, it's definitely, and, you know, I think that there's, so those are some of the lessons learned. And then, you know, use the 
use the initial wins to propel more wins. So for example, if you get into one region in Whole Foods and you support it, you know, with marketing, sampling, advertising, you know, whatever you can do to drive trial and purchase of your brand, whatever data you can get, use that to then say, hey, we got into this division of Whole Foods. We've been really successful. We think that this product would make sense in these other divisions of Whole Foods or in Sprouts or, you know, whatever retailer you choose. Um, but it's not a, um, you know, I think a lot of times D2C brands want to like go all out and get all this retail distribution. Well, uh, that can be expensive and could be um, short-sighted because if you don't turn and you lose that distribution, if you think it's hard to get initial distribution, once you're kicked out, it's really almost impossible to get back in because um, you're sort of in the penalty box. Mm. Yeah, no, that makes a, that makes a lot of sense. So what I'm, what I'm hearing there are a few things and I'm, I'm hearing that building relationships with your buyers is important sales and, and building that skill which, you know, not everyone is taught, you have to almost like jump into it. Mm -hmm. Sales needs to be a priority. And you're not just selling to a customer, you're selling to a, you know, a buyer that's buying it for their store. You, and you have to identify, you know, what's their pain point? Like, how are you going to make them look good with their employers? Like, how are you going to, because if they pick the right product and put it in, on the right shelf, and it sells a lot, they're going to buy more. Mm -hmm. But also don't bite off more than you can chew. Right. Because that could end up biting you, like you said, like trying to get into all of these retailers um, and getting a huge footprint there. But, you know, it, it's a it's very costly. And then I know that that a lot of big box stores are notorious for like, you know, canceling contracts or pulling early where it won't impact them so much. But a smaller CPG brand, one huge hit like that, mm -hmm. and it could really demolish a, a large portion of their business. So, um you know, just do your research. Yeah. <laughs> that's good advice. <laughs> um, yeah, that's great. I think that's extremely valuable, especially for, for younger CPG brands. I know that we've, I've seen a lot of brands uh, ask that question about how they could get, uh, how, how they could start getting into stores, especially some of our brands as well. Um, so the digital landscape around e-commerce itself is also changing, um, especially with, iOS updates, which how that has now impacted Facebook ads, uh, not being able to target customers as well as you could in the past. So you can't just dump Facebook dollars or dollars into Facebook and expect a huge return on investment. So it's harder and harder for D2C brands and especially CPG brands uh, to get in front of an audience. And, and Mark, maybe you could chime in on this a bit. Um, where do you see the future of marketing going for CPG brands? Like what's going to be the most valuable channels? What should they put their focus on if, uh, if Facebook ads are no longer working as well? Yeah. Um, that is the conversation, right? Um, <laughs> where to start? So I have a couple of thoughts on this. Um, one is just from our, this, this company's brand, um, as Chris mentioned was, Maybe we're starting from a bit of a different place. Um, mm -hmm. A lot of our customers are are really passionate for for reasons um, that well, well, for a lot of reasons. But um, 
that didn't come from an online ordering place that didn't come from like, I like discovered this by product reviews. And, um, like I, I loved the, the box when I got it kind of a feeling, which is great in and of itself. Like that's, I love those experiences myself. Um, and so like we kind of have this, this advantage in that way where we could transition to selling online. Um, and especially for folks that really have that core allergy need, um, uh, if they can't find a specific flavor in store or if they can't find it um, on Amazon for some reason, they we have that DTC backup. Um, so it's both a way for us to like uh, introduce folks, uh, hopefully with a very positive experience mm -hmm. with our brand, um, but then also to keep them um, supplied if they're regular purchasers, uh, kind of this backstop that we can always deliver, hopefully, um, if they can't find it or they're they're in a new place or whatever where they they can't source our product but um so anyways that 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 being kind of the background um i i was thinking through like yes like if if we are um not in a place where we can trust like uh, the data that might be provided for whatever reasons um from third parties like it really forces us to just do a good job in the first place in the places that we, we can make an impact. That sounds mm -hmm. simplistic, but that's my point of view is, is like sometimes that just relying on that external lever um, is too, too simple. And if you plan your organization around that and then the lever breaks, then you don't have anything to rely on internally. Like, what are you going to do? Right? Like that's the core of your question, I think. Um, and a couple of things like, strike me um uh this morning i was telling i was telling chris this morning i was uh scrolling through twitter and i have i follow some marketers like some of whom most of whom i've never met and probably will never meet in real life but they they have great insights and i stumbled upon this thread about email marketing where um basically somebody was saying like look uh to all those brands out there who are sending me an email every day every single day stop it like respect my inbox you know yeah. um and that's my that's my point of view is like i prefer to go deep on fewer things than to get a, a wall of information and, and pick and choose what i like from that wall um but the responses to me were more interesting and insightful than even that like initial like i agree with you um because some folks were coming back and saying like i hear what you're saying but we've tested it and for instance, uh, we sent emails every day, and what we found was that our um, our unsubscribe rate went up, but the people who stayed subscribed really liked it. Um, or maybe not necessarily sending an email every day, but um, a 15 email, um, you know, uh, a 15 email drip campaign that just is really well crafted and gives them a, the, that consumer a great experience. Um, mm -hmm. Because, like for me, uh, I love this is like very much reflective of where I am in, in my life right now, but I love Wayfair's email marketing program. And <laughs> although I order in, you know, company that sells like home goods, furniture, stuff like that. Um, but uh, I probably only order from them once or twice a year, but because their emails are so engaging and so clever and just, you know, fun to look at, like I'll get back to the site and they combine that with good personalization such that they're always on point with something that I browsed last week. You know, it's that combination of personality and, and fun 
um, and, and combining that with potential purchase intent, um, that like you can only do that in house, like, I mean, with agency partners and whatnot, but like you, you're not, you don't need Facebook to tell you any of that stuff. Um, no. um, and just one more anecdote on that, like all of that was interesting to me from this Twitter thread, like, yes, like for some brands every day an email being sent works for them and for their consumers, uh, which is the more, more important part, but that's not enjoy life. Like we, we have a few dozen products. Like we can't keep you coming back for different, uh, you know, different stages of your life after you've moved in, you need, you know, first you need your welcome mat. And then, you know, two years later mm -hmm. you need the crib or whatever. Like, like we have a much lim more limited set of products. So I do think our um, email subscribers want like more in-depth um, content, more trusted content that's better curated, but some segments, maybe folks who really like the recipes, they do want regular engagement. So you can know that about your own consumers. And if you know it, then you can build that um, experience yourself. Um, so I, I don't think I really answered how to. No, <laughs> I, I got some takeaways yeah. from that. What, what my takeaways from that are one, yeah, you shouldn't be relying on one lever, one channel that that is going to be detrimental to your business if it fails, right? You need to own, um, you need to own your, for lack of a better term, own your customers being like, hey, they're subscribing to my brand or our brand. They're not just on some other channel. And another part of that is just like, good brand building. Um, so like when you talk about like knowing who your brand is and knowing who your customers are and being able to personalize things for them, that's just like focusing on community and branding and something I talk about a lot. Um, and the brands that do that, like yours, are the ones who are not as impacted from, you know, one channel, social channel that is not providing the best data now or it's not allowing you to target more why because you have loyal customers and you've built a real brand um that's something that you know is probably going to take younger brands a longer time now but it is something that they need to focus on and and yeah some of our customers send out an email a day very large stores with tons of product like one of our clients they're a fashion brand global fashion brand and they have hundreds and hundreds of products but to them it's more like hey if we send out one or even two emails a day that's gonna it's gonna be more profitable if they don't but they're not as concerned with you know having a smaller product category where they need to have a relationship over the course of many years. Um, so I, I, I do hear what you're saying. And my takeaway from that is focusing on brand building, focusing on content, focusing on the relationships you're building with your customers uh, so that they could recognize your brand. And also, if you decide to send out an email a day that they love you so much that they probably won't even mind. <laughs> Hopefully, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's the goal. <laughs> Okay, cool. Chris, do you have anything to add to uh, add to that or the, you know, certain things that might work for uh, chat this new landscape that we're in? No, no, I think Mark covered it really well. Um, you know, we're, I mean, I, I think one of the things that we like to do, and, and Mark really is at the forefront of this with our, uh, our agency partners is like, always looking at testing new things, um, you know, new channels to reach our consumers, new types of content. And, you know, I mean, in the world that we now live in, you know, marketing has and will continue to be a very iterative uh, test and learn process where, 
you know, what worked last week doesn't necessarily work to engage your consumer. Um, you know, they've moved on and they're looking for something new. And I think for us, um, even as a 20 year old brand, which in some minds is old, but in some minds, you know, like huge companies, we're still young. Uh, you know, I, I love that we have a team in our mm -hmm. marketing and uh, our marketing team that like wants to learn new things and wants to like, you know, learn what's out there and test and learn. We're very much in that uh, mindset. Every bit of our marketing spend is in digital. We don't do any traditional uh, advertising. Um, so that's by design. And, and we, you know, with the new uh, brand um, presence that we have and, and uh, all of the work that our agency partners help us with, um, you know, we're very optimistic on the future. I guess the, the one, the, the last thing I'll, I'll leave you with, John, knowing that you're, you and your family are huge fans, is that um, we are launching a bunch of uh, new items this year that we need to uh, get in your hands. Um, we've got some, some new cookies and some uh, that are out now and yes. some new lentil chips coming soon. So we owe a care package uh, to John and his family. So we'll, uh, we'll follow up on that in the next week. But, uh, yeah, some great stuff that's uh, coming uh, to stores very soon. Awesome. Yeah, my wife is obsessed with the little chocolate chips. She literally, literally <laughs> just eats them out of the bag as a snack. Oh, that's and awesome. I'm just, I like the cookies and the and the the, bre the breakfast bars, the ovals. But uh, okay. yeah, huge fans of it. I, I would definitely appreciate that. I'm looking forward to the lentil chips. But uh, I think we covered everything today, Chris, Mark. Thank you so much for joining. Yeah, thanks for having um, us. Glad to have you on, and hopefully we could have you on again. Okay, thanks a this lot, John. Thanks, John. All right, thanks, everyone.